This is the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, our GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for our GOSEP. Thank you for joining us. Fire safety, it's something we all need to think about, and unfortunately, this is a time of year it has more added importance. State Fire Marshal Butch Browning joins us to talk about some of the safety issues we need to address during the winter holiday season. And an expert from the Louisiana Department of Children and Family Services will talk about foster care. We will discuss emergency planning for foster families, and we will talk about the process of becoming foster parents. Before we get started with our interviews, we like to start each episode with emergency preparedness information. For this time of year, holiday travel may be part of your plans. Make sure you follow some simple rules if you plan on hitting the road. Here are a few travel tips from AAA. Ensure your vehicle is properly maintained. If maintenance is not up to date, have your car and tires inspected before you take a long drive. Map your route in advance and be prepared for busy roads during the most popular times of the year. If possible, consider leaving earlier to avoid heavy traffic. Keep anything of value in the trunk or covered storage areas. If you're traveling with children, remind them not to talk to strangers. Go with them on bathroom breaks. Have roadside assistance contact information on hand in case an incident occurs on the road. And in case of an emergency, keep a cell phone and charger with you at all times. Those are today's preparedness tips. Moving on to our first interview, December is a month that Louisiana Department of Children and Family Services promotes the wonderful act of becoming a foster parent. But we also want to start out by talking about emergency planning and preparedness for families with foster children. Michelle Faust is the foster care and adoption manager for DCFS. She joins us now by phone. Michelle, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Now, at any time, you have about 4,000 children in foster care across Louisiana. So in times of emergency or when a disaster hits, how do you keep in touch with them? Well, we do emergency planning. Um, we have it built into our fostering process so that when someone becomes a certified foster parent or adoptive parent, they have a emergency plan that we give to them and we discuss upon certification. And within that emergency plan, we ask the parents to give us a minimum of two relatives or contact people where they think they may evacuate to if their area is impacted. And we ask for the contact information for that person um, and a plan B. We review that with them yearly in the month of June, which, as you know, is the start of hurricane season. And we also review it yearly upon what's called a recertification of their home. Because, as you know, disasters can happen at any point in the year. Mm -hmm. And why is it important for DCFS to know where these foster uh, children are and, and what's going on? Well, the foster care system, as you mentioned, might have about 4,000 children in foster care across the state at any given day. And these children's care, their lives, are in our hands as the custodial agency. And it is our obligation, our charge, to make sure that they are well taken care of and that they are safe. And 
let's say in the event that someone did not give us an appropriate plan or they were unable to carry out the plan and we didn't learn about it until the area is impacted, it allows for that child's case manager to visit that home or talk to them by phone to make a plan that is suitable and that will care for the child and make sure that they are safe. Um, It may be that the child needs to go live with someone else during this time period um, or any other options that are available. It's just the safety of that child is so critical to us. Gotcha. Now, uh, during an emergency or disaster, uh, we understand that you guys use a lot of technology to kind of reach the families in foster care. Can you tell us a little bit about that system and what you use? Sure. We use um, technology that's called RAVE, R-A-V-E, and it allows us to send out text messages, voice messages, and emails to foster families. And it allows us to provide information to them or take a quick survey of their status, such as did they relocate or do they need assistance, etc. So they can text us back, call us, or respond to the email or contact their worker directly. Interesting. So there's a lot of uh, uh, movement with that particular system. We may start seeing that implemented a lot more schools, you know, with school safety issues and everything. So it's good to know that's out there. It's a very similar system to what some schools have already implemented. You're right. Gotcha. Now, during disasters, DCFS is the lead agency for the state shelters and also handles any disaster food assistance that may be implemented. And when the agency ramps up uh, operations in the state emergency operations center, why have uh, child welfare staff there with them? Why is that important? We have child welfare staff right there in the EOC with the other emergency preparedness staff, because one of the first points of information our secretary wants to report to the governor in any emergency is the status of our foster families in the affected area. Where are they? How are they doing? Have we made contact with each and every caregiver? So having the staff in our EOC helps us provide real-time information and comfort. We're also able to assist our staff as well if they are having times of need. Gotcha. Now, with the holidays upon us, a lot of people are are moved to get involved and help out uh, with foster care. Uh, When it comes to foster care, what are some of the ways people can get involved and help out? Well, one of the most critical and important way is if they could become a foster parent themselves. So we have resources on our website for those who are considering fostering or adopting a child. And that website is www.dcfs.com. LA.gov slash foster. So there are a list of common questions that people ask, the frequently um, asked questions and requirements to become a foster parent and what the steps are that someone would need to go through to become certified. Some of those requirements is that we hope they'll have an open heart. You don't have to be married or rich or live in a huge house. What you do need is to be 21 years of age or older, have sufficient income to meet your own basic needs, and be in good physical, emotional, and mental health. And you have to be ready and willing to let us place a child in your home. Ask and expect that you would love and take care of that child as your own. And then possibly to break your heart by reuniting that child with their parent. But there's so much reward in reunifying a child with their parent when their parent has 
completed the tasks necessary to have their child return to them. It's just something rewarding that can't be matched with words. If I could, if I could ask you for a moment, when you see those types of connections made, how how heartwarming is that? Knowing that that these families are are taking those steps. It's unbelievably heartwarming to see a family or a parent that may have hit rock bottom. They may have lost the support they did have because of, you know, choices maybe that they've made some poor choices in their lives. And having a child removed from your care is so traumatic for the child, for the parents, and even some of your extended family that may be involved. So we are hoping to make that transition as easy as possible. And um We also have um, implemented something called QPI, which is Quality Parenting Initiative. And we've had that in place now for a little over two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that premise behind that is simply that every child deserves quality parenting every day. So it's our job to ensure that the foster adoptive parent is taking good care of that child and that we're monitoring that and we're we're helping the family, we're helping the biological family get on their feet, get the services that they need to have their child return to them, maintain that contact between the child and the biological parent through the entire life of the the foster care placement. And we're also working with the foster parents, hoping that we're providing the services to them that they need, and most especially for the child. What services do they need? You know, it's great to know there are people out there to help help bridge that that connection sometimes. So it's it's great to see. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you you need support or are do you see from the public that they can do even mm-hmm. if they aren't able to uh, actually become a foster parent? Absolutely, I'm glad you brought that up. We have uh, Louisiana Fosters, which is a statewide campaign focused on Louisiana's children, our children, that is sponsored by First Lady Donna Edwards to link government faith, nonprofit, business, and the community to create united support for our state foster care system. As First Lady Donna Edwards says, not everyone can foster, but everyone can do something. So organizations that want to help provide for foster children can reach out to our website at dcfs.homedevelopment at la.gov. The organization can tell them that they're interested in Louisiana Fosters, perhaps becoming a member and helping the foster care system some way through their business or their ministry. Individuals who want to help can reach out to organizations that are already partnering with us, and a list of great options can be found on the Louisiana Fosters website at www.louisianafosters.la.gov. That's great to know. And, and you know, Louisiana is such a compassionate state. Uh, we see that with every emergency we go through in some cases. So it's it's good to know there's ways to support. Uh, kind of kind of wrapping up, you know, a lot of people kind of analyze where they're at in life, you know, towards the end of a, a year or the beginning of a new year. Uh, any special message you want to get out to potential foster parents out there? Oh, I, I want to definitely let the community know that we still need desperately more foster homes and especially for our teens, but we need families that just will open their hearts and their homes to the sibling groups, children with medical or special needs. Every region has a little bit of a different need. We have nine regions throughout the state, 
but no matter what we if they're if they have that desire that will we would just hope that they will reach out to us or at, through the other um, Louisiana fosters and see how they can help we're always trying to help them provide supportive services and build up those community resources so that the child can be placed in his hometown where he was removed from and so that school is not interrupted and community services are not interrupted. So I'd also like to add that while we work to reunify families and we are successful in many cases, I also want to brag about our adoption number. This year, there were 893 children that were adopted from the foster care system and found that permanent resource, found that permanent family that that will be their family for life. And that was just astounding. That's terrific. And again, give us a good resource as far as websites or anything that people can go to to find out more information. Well, they can go to our website, www.dcfs dot la dot gov slash foster and if it's a business or individual who is interested in providing assistance in other ways they can visit the louisiana fosters website it's www.louisianafosters.la.gov and if it's persons that are wanting to become um, an organization, they they are part of an organization and they wish to reach out and help, they can contact us through a website that is dcfs.homedevelopment at la.gov. All right. Thank you so much for your information. Uh, we appreciate the work that you and everyone at DCFS does helping these families. And uh, thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Mike. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for giving us an opportunity to share what we do. You bet. Now we'll move to the emergency resource segment for this episode. Take advantage of paperless record keeping for financial and tax records. Here's important information from the IRS. Many people receive bank statements and documents by email. This method is an outstanding way to secure financial records. Important tax records such as W-2s, tax returns, and other paper documents can be scanned onto an electronic format. Be sure you make backup copies of your electronic files and store them in a safe place. Making duplicates and keeping them in a separate location is a good business practice. Other options include copying files onto a CD or DVD. Also, many retail stores sell computer software packages that you can use for record keeping. When choosing a place to keep your important records, convenience to your home should not be your primary concern. Remember, a disaster that strikes your home is also likely to affect other facilities nearby, making quick retrieval of your records difficult and maybe even impossible. Go to irs.gov for more on these topics. Moving on to our second interview, Butch Browning was appointed the Louisiana State Fire Marshal in March of 2008. Over the past 34 years, he has served in all levels of fire service. He joins us now by phone with important information regarding fire safety. Sir, thanks for joining us. Sure, and, and thank you for highlighting this important issue. 
Now, fire safety is something we've talked about before on the podcast, but during the holidays, it takes on some added importance. What do you see from a fire standpoint uh, that people need to be aware of? You know, absolutely. As the holiday season approaches, we're busy. I mean, we're shopping. We're doing so many things around our home. We're traveling. I mean, the children programs, the community programs, a lot of things are happening, but we have to make it a priority to be fire safe. So, you know, I guess the first issue is the cold weather. Uh, As the cold weather approaches, we'll see an increase of fires uh, in in two areas. Number one is space heaters. Uh, So we want to remind everyone that if you're going to use space heaters, you need to have the three to five foot area around the space heater that's clear of anything combustible, no chairs, no curtains, no clothing, nothing that'll burn. Uh, secondary to that is, is that you do not want to overload uh, the, the the electrical circuits in your home by using an extension cord to power that space heater or plugging that space heater into a power strip with multiple devices. Finally, on the space heater issue is that when you're not a, when you're not awake and attending to the space heater, turn it off. We see a lot of nighttime fires where a space heater caused a fire in a room that was unattended that affected people and actually deaths occur in other rooms. So that's important. The other other winter issue I think that's important to remember is cooking. Um, you know, although cooking is a consistent fire cause year-round, we see an uptick in cooking fires around the holidays because, again, you're cooking more. You're using every burner on the stove. You, you have many multiple devices, whether it be uh, heating devices, frying devices, all these things operate. So the real simple message with cooking is, number one, attend to it. Uh, never leave the stoves operate when you're not there. Uh, keep children, young children, small children, out of the kitchen. Uh, you know, we see a lot of burns and scalds that occur because children knock pots over or they get in the way when you're maneuvering you know, hot material. Uh, so keep children out. And then I guess the final thing is know what to do if you witness a fire. So if, if you have a, a stovetop fire, uh, number one, you don't put water on any, any stovetop fire. Uh, the quick remedy is to try and cover the, the pot that might be burning. Put the lid back on the pot if you can do that. If the fire is burning outside of the pot, um, then your only option to put the fire out would be a fire extinguisher. We're very cautious when we tell people to use a fire extinguisher if they have not been trained. So if you have a fire extinguisher in your home, we certainly recommend it. But take time to go to our website or a host of other websites out there and and, and learn the ABCs of operating a fire extinguisher. It's real easy to use, but fundamentally it teaches you how to keep space between you and the fire and keep yourself between the fire and the exit door. Uh, but I'll tell you, as soon as you discover a fire, the first thing you should do is is evacuate and call the fire department. I mean, mm-hmm. let the professionals come in and deal with that because your life uh, and, and certainly suffering injuries is not worth, uh, you know, sacrificing a fire. Um, now, I guess we got to talk about Christmas trees, Mike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> this so, time I mean, of year. listen. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, people are right now picking out their Christmas trees. You know, artificial trees are a great option. They're the least combustible. Um, uh, they're the least likely to catch on fire. But, hey, certainly the real Christmas trees are an amazing thing. The, I mean, the, the, the scent of that tree, the uh, the beauty of a real Christmas tree, we certainly want to protect. So make sure that, number one, you, you choose a tree that's been freshly cut. Uh, now, that can be, uh, I guess, evaluated by shaking the tree and if the tinsels seem to stay on the tree and not fall off. That's a good sign that they that it's a pretty freshly cut tree. Also, buy a tree, and, and, and the industry pretty much does this now, but buy a tree that's been coated in a fire retardant material. This will limit combustibility of that tree if it's subject to an open flame. 
as soon as you get that tree home, I mean, you've got to you've got to refresh the stalk, cut the stalk of that tree, and water that tree on a daily basis, and make sure it stays fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep it away from open flame devices. Inspect your lighting that you put on the tree to make sure that the light is not damaged. No candles, nothing like that near the tree. You know, Mike, I'll tell you, um, a lot of people are really upgrading to the new LED technology of Christmas lighting. It doesn't get hot. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't use the amount of electricity. It's less likely to short out and cause a fire. Uh, but those type of things are, are are the upgraded things that we can do just to ensure our family's safety. You know, that's an important. I've always been a, uh, a you know real tree kind of person. Uh, but over the past few years, you know, with children and even pets and everything around trees and everything, we've kind of switched more to the artificial trees, at least until the kids get a little bit older and everything. So that's important information. Um, what about as far as the outside of the home, if you're using uh, maybe outside receptacles that you normally don't use, any precautions that you need to take with those type things? Well, absolutely. I mean, keep in mind that anything electrical, I mean, if you use it outdoors, it must be tested and approved for outdoor use. So make sure that it's designed for outdoor use. And, and typically what you see is a heavier card. You see a bit more of a moisture management within the within the connections where um, you know they won't short out. But listen, you can't put those cards um, in in puddles of water. So you know, think about when it rains, having those cards where they're lifted, where they're not in a, in a puddle of water, where they can either cause a fire or cause an electrocution, as well as the rest of the lighting that you use on the exterior of your home. Make sure uh, that it's designed for outdoor. I go back to this LED because it pulls so much less power. Uh, you know, you, you're less likely to overload a circuit if you use the LEDs. Um, and, you know, people are now using the inflatable blow-ups. There's so many other, you know, things out there to the projection screens. There's a lot of great things out there. But make sure that it's designed to be used outdoors and not just an indoor-approved product. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of going back to something you were talking about earlier, we are, you know, kind of in the in the heart of our winter months now. Uh, are space heaters safe overall like is it is it okay to use them or, or do you recommend maybe staying away from those well i mean you know i, I I'll, I'll always say about space heaters they are a common cause of fire but typically when they cause a fire it's either because they're overloaded uh, through an electrical outlet which is which is a contrary to the manufacturer's specifications or they come in contact with something combustible now i'll tell you if you go and buy the most modern generation of a space heater today It'll have a tip-off device to where if it falls over, it turns off. It'll also have an internal thermal couple that if the, if the heater senses a fire, it turns the heater off. Those new, uh, I guess, additions to the safety of a space heater have eliminated fires, you know, but we're still seeing a lot of the old first generation, you know, heaters that are, you know, 15, 20 years old still being used that cause fire. Plus, you see the new ones now that are more of a ceramic. They blow heat instead of having an exposed element. They can come in contact. So, you know, we're, we see a lot safer operations of them, but I'll tell you the most common cause of, of space heater fires in, in the state right now is them being overloaded. They're plugged into a, to a, a power strip or plugged in with other multiple devices, and you have the actual electrical cords overheating and causing a fire. You've got to be careful with those power strips, no doubt. Uh, so we are heading uh, towards Christmas, which means we're also heading towards uh, New Year's. I know you guys put out a kind of a wealth of information on on uh, fireworks and, and that type of safety information. Anything you want to address uh, as we head into the new year? So we'll be permitting the retail sale of pyrotechnics uh, in the middle of December, where we're in communities where it's legal to sell and use those devices. Uh, we 
we make sure those fans are selling the appropriate uh, uh, pyrotechnic uh, shows and, and pyrotechnic devices across the state. So the, the real quick uh, safety on that is that you you, know, you want to follow the manufacturer's specifications. If you're going to choose to shoot your own private fireworks in, in, in your own yard or your own area, uh, you need to have about a 300-foot area of nothing that will burn, no vehicles, no homes, no, no sheds. Um, you need to use one device at a time. You set the device down. You light it. You walk away. You let it do what it does. And then you come back and light the second one to make sure that the embers from the first one have been put out. A bucket of water, a water hose is always good to have there. So at the end of the night, you can make sure that all embers are put out. Again, children should not be lighting pyrotechnics. Certainly, any individual under the influence of alcohol should not be lighting pyrotechnics. Strictly follow the manufacturer's recommendations. But, you know, some of the best ideas is to attend the, the, the some 60 public displays across the state that'll happen on, on New Year's Eve uh, that we that we work in, in with the safety of those operators to make sure that they're done. That's a great place to take your family to. It's a great place for your family to, to see a, a spectacular show that you can't buy in a retail, a retail store in many cases. Gotcha. Well, that's some great information. Uh, as we wrap up, any website or resources people can use uh, to get more information on some of the topics we talked about? Yeah, absolutely. Our website, LASFM.org, uh, has a host of fire safety information, as well as the NFPA.org has, has a lot of great information. But finally, I'll conclude with, you know, the, the, the last level of, of protection you have for your family is a working smoke alarm. So if you don't have working smoke alarms in your home, you need to to check that now and have smoke alarms installed in your home. If you can't afford them, you can go to our website. We have a program, Operation Save a Life, that provides free alarms. We install them in partnership with your local fire department. Your local firefighters will come out and install those to make sure everyone's safe. I mean, hundreds of lives have been saved by this program over the last 10 years, and we're very proud of what it does. And, and, and of course, you know, the, the, the fact that it, it makes Louisiana one of the safer cities and safer states to live in. Uh, because of our Operation Save Life program. All right. Great information. We appreciate you uh, taking time for us today. Unfortunately, you know, we we see these things pop up from time to time around the holidays, so we hope everyone will pay attention to the information you talked about. Louisiana State Fire Marshal Butch Browning was joining us. Sir, have a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Same to you, my friend. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. Please encourage others to share this resource and subscribe. We want to thank Michelle Faust with DCFS and Louisiana Fire Marshal Butch Browning for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the resources we mentioned. You can find more preparedness information on our website, getagameplan.org. We also want to thank producer Troy Perez and the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at DonateLifeLA.org. They also have a great podcast titled The Gifted Life Podcast. You can also find out more on most of the topics we talked about today by following GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. Remember, get a game plan. On behalf of the staff at GOSEP, Merry Christmas. We'll have a new episode available next month. This podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.